athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. As always, thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. We've got a whole lot to get to on today's show. So it's December, if you can believe that. It is December. The college football season is winding down. The NFL is, uh, well, middle towards the end. Well, well, on the second half, shall I say, of its season. The NBA, we're already a quarter of the way through the NBA season. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk some NBA today here on the program. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, going to join us on the program. So, listen, a lot going on. Uh, college football, we've got the college football playoff. I want to talk a little bit uh, about that. I want to talk about expansion, right? We've got some games this weekend, some uh, conference championship games that we're going to talk about today on the program and listen in the nba if i had to give an mvp right now again a quarter of the way through the season luca would be my mvp now i realize the mavericks may not be the a great team not ha- may not have a great record but in terms of what a player has meant to his team and uh, the league as a whole i mean luca has been absolutely phenomenal and we've been seeing this coming i think of a lot of uh, what he was able to do in the euro league playing in the summertime at a very very high level and that euro league got a lot of coverage Antetokounmpo played in the league as well i mean i think there it, it just helped him immensely he's a young guy very young i mean this guy is absolutely incredible and uh so he would be my mvp so far this season. Listen, you can participate here on the conversation. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. So let's talk college football playoff rankings. Okay, number one, you've got Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, number four, Southern Cal. You look at Georgia's, I mean, Georgia's didn't matter. I mean, Georgia, you know, Georgia did what it needed to do to win its game. You know, Michigan, big win over Ohio State. TCU doing its thing, going to play in the conference championship game on Saturday against Kansas State, who's got a – Kansas State is – listen, Kansas State is serious. Now, to me, because it's conference championship time, right? And, And, you know, I've had this conversation before, and I've talked about this even on like a D2 level it's comparable in from this standpoint conference championship games generally 
Well, sometimes, I should say, don't necessarily hurt you, but they can help you. For Georgia, let's say Georgia loses to LSU, Georgia's still going to be in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the college football playoff, depending upon what Michigan, I think, depending upon what Michigan does. L- let's say Georgia loses, and let's say Michigan beats Purdue in the Big Ten championship or game. Then I think Michigan would become number one. But let's say both Georgia and Michigan lose. I still think Georgia's number one for sure. I We'd see if Michigan was number two, but Michigan definitely would be in the college f- football playoff final ranking. And we, we have got some changes to the college football playoffs, which we're going to talk about momentarily. At number three, you've got TCU. Now, for me, TCU could be could be hurt, okay? If TCU loses to Kansas State, then I think TCU may be out of this thing for a lot of the reasons that I mentioned on last week. I mean, I think TCU has had a, a good season. I mean, it's beat everyone in front of it, uh, but I don't know if it's, if it's a strong enough resume to sustain a loss even in the uh, championship game, the Big 12 championship game, when you've gotten Ohio State on your heels, when you've gotten an Alabama on your heels. I think the way in which, because remember, I talked about this either last week or a couple of weeks ago, that I thought that, listen, I, I still thought Ohio State could be in the top four, even with a loss to Michigan, but I think the way in which Ohio State lost to Michigan Put Ohio State at number five. You still got Alabama looming at number six. I I don't know that Alabama can get in at this point. Alabama now, if Alabama was in the SEC championship game, won the SEC championship game, then I think Alabama may have a chance. But I think where Alabama is, not even in the championship game, it's going to be hard. I mean, let's say, but but I mean, it's so. I, I like this. And, 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 right, listen, we're going to move to 12 games, and we're going to talk a little bit more, uh, or 12 teams participating in the college football playoff, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I'm mean, like, I'm in favor of that, but I'm going to tell you this. There are so many different scenarios when you have just the four teams. Like, let's say TCU and, let, let's say TCU, right, loses, and, uh, in in the in its game, as I mentioned, um, against uh, against Kansas State, right? I mean, I I would think that Ohio State would would uh, would, would would definitely move up into uh, that top four. I, I I believe that. I mean, I think TCU is really hanging sort of by a thread. I just don't see. I just don't see where Alabama. I just don't see where Alabama could uh, could sort of make its push uh, to get in the top four, which is rare. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't maybe maybe a year or two since we've gone sort of to this format. Alabama hasn't been in the top four. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely unbelievable what Nick Saban has done and continues to do at Alabama. But I think a TCU loss uh, would. Because, again, Ohio State, but, again, Ohio State in a similar position to Alabama not playing in a conference championship game. I think the difference, however, is Ohio State's only got the one loss. I mean, there have been some questions about Ohio State and its schedule throughout the course of the season, but I think 
you know, again, the the way in which Michigan law or Michigan beat Ohio State or Ohio State lost to Michigan is why Ohio State is where it currently is. So I mean, so many different scenarios. Again, Georgia and Michigan in my mind don't fall out. No way in the world that I could put Ohio State and Alabama over Michigan, no matter what happens to Purdue. Georgia's gonna be in regardless, whether it's, you know, again, I see a scenario if Georgia loses in the SEC championship game to LSU, which is which is possible. Like, you know, LSU play has been playing, you know, played some pretty good football. Uh, yeah, I realize, you know, at a point, right? I don't see that happening, but it could. Uh, yeah, so if Georgia was to lose to LSU, Michigan wins, and I think Michigan goes to number one, Georgia would go to number two regardless. Um, you know, again, TCU needs to win its game to stay. So there are so many different scenarios with respect to the college football playoff. So now we're expanding to 12 teams, which I'm for. I, I'm for the 12 teams. Now, listen, I, I know we saw that group of five uh, is right there, right? And, and, and look, you've had some big wins by group of five conferences. You know, I, I mean, you've had some really, really big wins. I mean, you've, you know, you've had Marshall's had a big win. And, you know, I mean, you've, you'd had, you've had so many, and it would allow, it allows now, I mean, it opens up the field to the, to the power five, no doubt, but I think it really does open up the field to the group of five a little bit more. Now, we did have Cincinnati who participated last year uh, in the college football playoff, which was great. But I think it's going to create more. And really, if I look at the AAC, I mean, the AAC, I mean, you could almost look at the AAC. You could almost call it a power six and have the AAC as that conference. I mean, you've got some really, really good teams. You know, Cincinnati, obviously not where it was. But, I mean, Cincinnati, what it was able to do on last year. You know, Houston going back a couple of years ago. I mean, there's some really good teams. But it opens it up now for some of those other teams to have an opportunity to participate. And I think because of the transfer portal, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I think it is allowed now for some of those players that have been at the Power 5 schools to be able to come now to group of five schools can be recruited. And I think that's where we've seen the success of group of five schools this year against some of the power fives. It's going to open up opportunities. I mean, listen, I look at a Tulane, and remember we had Willie Fritz, the head coach of Tulane, on the program last week. And, of course, you can log on to our website if you missed uh, that conversation and listen to uh, the entire show, as a matter of fact, uh, on our website. But, listen, it opens up opportunities for uh, a Tulane. Right, Tulane and a UCF going back a couple of years ago when UCF was undefeated, claimed its own national championship. Right, it opens up these opportunities. Tulane and UCF going to face off. I mentioned the AAC going to face off in the AAC championship game on Saturday. Just so many opportunities now for Group of Five schools, um, and also obviously more opportunities. So, you know, you look at that college football playoff, I mean, it's, it, it, it would be no doubt that an Alabama with two losses would be in this year. It would be no doubt that a Tennessee uh, would be in there. 
you know, Clemson perhaps. I mean, I know Clemson still has its uh, its AAC, uh, ACC championship game against Carolina, but I think there's so many more opportunities uh, for not only Power 5 schools, but for Group of Five schools as well. Still to come here on Box to Row, my grades for the teams from the SIAC, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media and NFL Talk. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Good win by the Buffalo Bills Thursday night with the victory over the Patriots, and it wasn't even close 24 to 10. I thank the Bills. You know, the Bills are interesting. Like, the Bills really impressed me uh, in that game, even though the Bills lost to the Vikings in that game that was a battle. And uh, we had about two or three lead changes within the last two minutes, ultimately went to uh, overtime, and the Vikings were able to win that football game. But the Bills are really – I mean, Josh Allen is really, really good. He's got weapons all over the place. I mean, not that it's a big deal. I mean, I guess it sort of is a big deal – to beat the Patriots, not necessarily this year because the Patriots are just aren't, I mean, their defense is is very, very good, but the offense, not so much. And I did say that I thought that this would be a, a, a team that may have a losing record at 6-6 six and six right now, still have, what, five games remaining. So we'll see if that actually is the case. But this is a Bills team that is playing very, very well. I mean, I really like... The Chiefs, the the best team to me is the Eagles. 
I, I love the way that Jalen Hurts is playing. Jalen Hurts is almost unstoppable because the way he's able to run the football, and I, and I think this speaks even more so to what the commanders were able to do against Jalen Hurts and really stopping that running game, really the offense almost as a whole for the Eagles because there's so many weapons with Brown and Smith and the running game and the offensive line. And, you know, you've got Hurts who, yeah, we can talk about his legs. I mean, I'm happy to talk about that all day, but this guy can pass the football. He's a complete quarterback. Uh, so that that's my team. I like the Chiefs second, but um, to me, the Bills are playing about as well as, as anybody outside of those two football teams. Uh, and, and and quite frankly, I mean, I get it. I'm a Commanders fan, right? But, I mean, look at the way Washington is playing. I mean, you can – now, we can talk about uh, – listen, if you want to say that the Commanders haven't played a great schedule, okay, that's fine. But the Commanders did beat the Eagles, who are the only one-loss team, if I'm not – I believe that's true. The Chiefs – Chiefs, I think, have two losses in the National Football League, gave the, the uh, Eagles their only loss. I mean, we can talk about some of the other uh, game, the teams that they play. You played the schedule. They beat the Eagles and have won like six of the last seven football games. So, I mean, I think the commanders – I mean, I'm not here to say the commanders are an elite team or anything like that, but, I mean, in terms of playing well, I mean, I think Washington is playing as well as anybody, especially on the defensive side of the football. But I really, really like uh, the Bills. So – Let's get to it. Week 13 of the National Football League. I'm going to give you my prediction. Let's start with the Packers and the Bears. This is a tricky one because I, I'm always I'm just expecting, and again, Eagles beat the uh, Packers on Monday night football. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's like I'm expecting the Packers to kind of come around, and they never do. Meanwhile, I look at the Bears and I look at Justin Fields and the way that Fields has played, and obviously the Packers are not going to come around. But, I mean, I, you know, the Bears don't scare me. Fields is 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 injured. You know, I think in this game, and, and as Aaron Rodgers told the Chicago crowd a couple of years ago, I own you. And while the Packers aren't playing great, and a lot of that is because – of Aaron Rodgers, who's not a hundred percent himself, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to go with the Packers in this game over the Bears in Chicago, the Steelers and the Falcons. So had a chance to watch the Falcons last week. Uh, you you look at the Steelers. I mean, I think the the Steelers are playing as well as can be expected right now. I mean, I thought this was going to be a losing season for Mike Tomlin. It looks like it's going to be that way. Um, the Falcons are solid football team still in the hunt for the NFC South as uh, is all of the, the other three teams. I mean, and as I mentioned, I think Tampa Bay wins it by default to some degree. I think the Panthers are going to make a run. Um, I just think the Saints are so decimated with injuries right now. But I think with the Falcons coming off the loss against Washington and still in that race because Tampa's right there I think the Falcons regroup, and I like the Falcons over the Steelers in Atlanta. The Vikings and the Jets. So this is an this is an interesting game. Like Mike White played well at quarterback. I mean, and I've and I watched him play last year when he 
he had to kind of come in and spot up spot duty the first game and he was fantastic. What did he throw for like 400 yards, something like that? I mean, like he was fantastic in in games. O- over now, you've got more tape. The Vikings have more tape on him. Um, I think he's a solid quarterback, but I think the Jets are legitimate, are, are legit. That said, the Vikings are looking for home field advantage in the NFC East. A couple of losses on the season. Um, I like the Vikings over the Jets in Minnesota, the Jaguars and the Lions. So the Jaguars are coming off a nice win, a surprising win over the Ravens. When I look at the Lions, the Lions have played, you know, it's like you, you can see that the Lions are on the right path, right? I mean, they're they're that team that's sort of a lovable team that in a, in a way that can't quite get over the hump probably you know been in some games probably some games the Lions should have won meanwhile I look at the Jaguars and coming off that win against the Ravens who I'm not sold on the Ravens there's something missing about the Ravens that said I mean I like the I like the way the Lions are playing I don't think the Jaguars have been consistent neither have the Lions but I like the Lions over the Jags in Detroit the Eagles and the Titans so I picked the Titans to win last week over the Bengals and I mean listen the Bengals are you know the Bengals are sneaky sneaky good you know it's that team that okay played in the Super Bowl last year didn't start off too well then kind of came around then hit a lull and now start kind of starting to come back around again so I picked the Titans and was wrong um to think that the Titans are going to go into Philly and beat the Eagles who I think are the best team in the league for all of the reasons I mentioned a little bit ago with Jalen Hurts and that defense, Javon Hargrave, Cox, those guys, elite uh, wide receiver, you know, offensive line is really good. That's not going to happen. I like the Eagles over the Titans in Philly. The Texans and the Browns. So uh, Deshaun Watson makes his return. You know, the Browns should have been better than the Browns are anyway. Like, I don't think and, – and, and listen, Deshaun Watson did not look good in the preseason, okay? Um, you know, but the Texans are just not a very good football team. I mean, you know, they, they, they were down 30 to nothing last week, I guess kind of made a game of it against the Dolphins, but it's just not a very good football team. And sort of by default, I'm going to go with the Browns over the Texans in Houston. The Giants and the Commanders. So, talked about the Commanders. I think the defense is playing well. Uh, the you know Taylor Heineke is is uh, you know he's going to make some mistakes, and you have to kind of live with the mistakes that he makes. But that running game with Brian Robinson, he had a, over a hundred yards last week, um, is re- really really good. The offensive line is better. Um, that defense is really really good. The Giants have been good, but like you know. I, you know, I like Daniel Jones. I mean, he doesn't – and Saquon Barkley is good. But now, Barkley has to go up against a, a solid run defense, one of the better run defenses in the National Football League, in the Commanders. These teams play – well, for the Commanders, it's back-to-back because the Commanders play the Giants this week, a bye next week, and then the Giants in two weeks. Um, there's going to be some kind of – there may be some kind of split – but it's not going to be – well, but I'm going to pick the Commanders over the Giants in Jersey. The Broncos and the Ravens. So the Broncos are abysmal. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. 
uh, is just not good. Uh, the Ravens, again, not super sold as I once was, but, I mean, the Ravens are going to beat the uh, Broncos in Baltimore. The Dolphins and the 49ers. So this is a good matchup because the 49ers are starting to play well. The Dolphins have been playing well. You're talking about a really good offense with the Dolphins. You're talking about a really good defense with the 49ers. Uh, and, and I think on the converse, the 49ers offense is good. The Dolphins defense is good. This is a tough game to kind of to kind of call. Um, I just like the I, – I believe in Tua. I believe in that offense. I do. But I think the 49ers have an elite-type level defense to go along with its offense. I like the 49ers in a close game over the Dolphins. The 49ers are at home. Uh, The Seahawks and the Rams. So the Rams just aren't very good. The Seahawks eked out a win last week, eking out wins, getting it done, Uh, right? Geno Smith, the defense doing enough, definitely like the Seahawks over the Rams in L.A., the Chargers and the Raiders. Interesting game because the Raiders won a good game last week. I, I'm still not sold on the Chargers, although you know I like Brandon Staley going for two down one point uh, to end up winning that football game last week by a point because of going for two. Um, I like that 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 call. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 this is a tough game because the Raiders are interesting. They're a team that should be good, aren't very good. I'm still not sold on the Chargers, though, right? Like, I'm not sold on the Chargers. I don't think the Raiders are – they're not a a great team. They should be better. Man, my gut is telling me to go with the Raiders. I'm going to go with my gut, the Raiders over the Chargers in Las Vegas. The Bengals and the Chiefs. Yeah, the Bengals are starting to round things out. Unfortunately, this week going to roll up against the Chiefs. Now, the Bengals will definitely show me something that they're really, really legit if they can beat the Chiefs. And this is a home game for Cincinnati, but I'm definitely going with the Chiefs over the Bengals. The Sunday night game, the Cowboys and the Colts. The Colts are better than they were. I get it, one and two under Jeff Saturday. I still like the Jeff Saturday move. Um, But they're running up against a, a, a good football team. To me, an elite defense. Um, you know, okay, so Dak had a good game on Thanksgiving. I, I, you know, I'm still not like super sold on Dak, but he's going to give you something. And I like the Cowboys over the Colts. It's a home game for the Cowboys. Final game, Saints and the Buccaneers. Like I said, the Buccaneers are making that run. Lost last week. The Saints are decimated by injuries. That is going to continue. Um, it, it just continues this week, and the Saints just aren't a very good football team. I like the Buccaneers over the Saints. Your thoughts, you can hit me up via Twitter uh, uh, on my personal Twitter account at DWare1. Switching gears and talking NBA with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, and that's next. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, let me take you to New Orleans for the Bayou Classic matchup between Grambling and Southern. A win for the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are in to the SWAT championship game against Jackson State. Let's move to late in the first half with about 25 seconds remaining. The Jaguars driving down 10-7. First down and goal. Here's the handoff. Touchdown, Southern University! Kendrick Rhymes gets a touchdown, and Southern has gained the lead for the first time in the ballgame. 
Extra point was good, and the Jaguars led 14-10 early in the third quarter. Grambling would get a one-yard touchdown run by Julian Calvez, the quarterback, to regain the lead at 17-14. It took all the way to early in the fourth quarter for Southern to regain the lead. Quarterback Bashan McRae's 22-yard touchdown run put the Jaguars ahead 21-17. And from there, it was all Jaguars. Back to pass. Now he got sacked again for the fifth time of the ballgame. The ball is loose. Southern's got it. Southern will score a touchdown. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Jordan Carter for the score. And the Jaguars weren't done. Yeah, 3.13 of the clock is ticking here in the fourth quarter. Shotgun formation. They only have one timeout remaining, too. And back to pass. He has to throw the ball away. Oh, intercepted. Touchdown. Intercepted the 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. And Southern has put this game away. Christian Davis on the intercepted return for the touchdown. And Southern has doubled up the score now, 34-17. And Jackson, Mississippi, here we come next week. That audio, courtesy of the Southern Jaguars Sports Network. The route was on as Southern defeated Crambling 34 to 17. Now moves on to the SWAC championship game as you heard on Saturday in Jackson, Mississippi. SWAC commissioner Dr. Charles McClelland was made available on the SWAC coaches call on Monday and he talked about other conferences wanting to participate against the SWAC in a bowl game and talked about bowl games versus FCS playoffs. You know, there's been this debate about FCS playoff celebration bowl. I can tell you there are many conferences that are saying behind the scenes they would much rather play in some type of bowl game against the Southwestern Athletic Conference that the revenue is there and the opportunity to win a national championship is very enticing uh, for those types of institutions. And at the end of the day, it's coming down to So when you talk about Florida a and you talked about, you know, what that entails, you know, in order to host uh, a FCS championship, the minimum bid is 30000 That's not going to get you again. You're going to be with somewhere between the fifty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 range. And then a percentage of that revenue has to go back to the NCAA. And then if you have to leave, you have to pay all of your expenses to go. So let's just say family hosted. You know, they were going to be out of fifty dollars to $80,000 to host. Whatever it costs for them to go play that following week. So let's say they made it to the national championship game. It could have cost them upwards of $250,000, $300,000. Again, it's important to be able to play for a national championship. I'm not taking that away, but we have made the decision that the Celebration Bowl is the route that we want to go. We want to be like the SEC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12. We want to be able to compete in a bowl game and compete at the highest level. So getting multiple bowl games is definitely our priority. No, I can't say it's not imminent. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's going to take some time. But in this new structure of the NCAA, I can tell you 100% we are in the middle of it. We have a voice and we will continue to exert our voice to be able to move our uh, agenda forward and try to get some of the things that we would like to have. I gave my thoughts on what Dr. Charles McClellan, the SWAC commissioner, had to say, and you can hear that on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, and you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Fridays, 
6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM Channel 84 and Saturdays 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Sirius XM Channel 142 to find a radio station in your area that carries the program or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. Let's switch some gears and talk some NBA here on the program and you know who we have on the line to do that. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. The thing about Grind City Media, they do so many things. And I want you to check out the podcast that Mike co-hosts called HBCU Huddle. It is high energy. It is dope. Uh, I've listened. I've been on. I've had a really good time. Uh, But right now we're going to talk some NBA. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us here on the program. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's going on, Donald? Happy holidays, man. We're in that holiday stretch of the year. Uh, a lot going on across all sports, man, and it's uh, it's always a blessing to be on with. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I can't believe we're a quarter of the way through this season. I want to start here. I want to talk with the with uh, talk about first the team that you cover, uh, the Grizzlies, currently in fourth place in the Western Conference. You know y- your thoughts in terms of how the Grizzlies are playing compared to expectations coming into the season. I mean, when you look at where they were last year, you're talking about the second youngest team in the league, posted the second best record, tied a franchise record with 56 victories last year, got to the second round of the playoffs, pushed Golden State to game six, ended up losing in six games in the second round uh, to the eventual NBA champions. And, you know, you came back into this year and you felt like, you know, with with health and and a couple breaks here and there that this team was going to continue to blossom and grow. And through the first 20 games of the season, I mean, the Grizzlies were 12-8. and eight. Um, You know, they didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr. for the first 14 games. Um, John Morant missed a couple. Then they lost uh, Desmond Bain uh, for about two weeks, man, two, two weeks plus now. So it's one of those situations where this team still isn't whole yet. You know, when you can get Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, and Desmond Bain on the floor together, oh, man, the sky's the limit with this team. And uh, that still hasn't happened yet. Maybe that'll happen in the next 20 but once they get their rhythm, I don't think there's anybody in the West, um, you know, that, that they're going to bow down to. So it's going to be a dogfight all the way through, and the Grizzlies will be right there uh, for every 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 round of it. What's going on with the defending champs, the Warriors, man? Is it some hangover from winning the championship last week? Is it, you know, what is it? Like, I can't seem to really pinpoint what it is. And, I, I mean, listen, I get it. It's early in the season, mm-hmm. but even with those – you know, those legendary, if you will, Warriors runs, we never saw where the Warriors got off to a slow start like this. No, we haven't. This is the worst start that they've gotten off to since, the, you know, as a healthy team uh, for the most part. And and that's a relative term, but, you know, they're, they're older. You know what I mean? They're not pushing as hard during the regular season. Steve Kerr is smart with the minutes. I mean, they don't have, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond playing every single game. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting rest moments when they can, and they're trying to rely early in the season on some of the young guys. I mean, you know, uh, and, and the newcomers, the guys that were lottery picks. You're talking about Kaminga. You're talking about, you know, James Wiseman. You're talking about, you know, uh, uh, Moses Moody. And then Jordan Poole. I mean, they just gave him a big contract. And what's happening right now is that it's just a chemistry issue right now. These guys um, just aren't – the young guys just aren't ready to take on major, major minutes night in and night out. Um, the bench isn't as, as productive as they had hoped it was going to be. 
But you got to trust the Warriors, though, because once it comes down, I mean, again, they were, what, fourth in the West last year, third in the West. And when it was playoff time, they went all the way and won a championship. So what happens in the regular season with these guys, I'm not as concerned about, especially as long as they stay healthy. Uh, they're still going to be a team to uh, reckon with as they get to the, you know, down the stretch run of the season. Man, I'm looking at the Mavericks, and I realize they're in the bottom half of the top ten when you're talking about uh, teams in the West. But I look at Luka, man. Like, for me, and I get it a lot of times, that MVP award. And, again, it's only a quarter of the way through the season, but that MVP award generally doesn't go to teams who are in the bottom half of the top ten. To me, Luka is my MVP. He is playing at an exceptional level so far this year. Oh, no question about it. I mean, every time you see him, he, he he's more and more of a magician with the with the basketball. You know what I mean? He's he's part Larry Bird, part Magic Johnson. You know, he's got some 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 grit and some toughness to his game as well. Too, you know, he just has a little bit of everything going for him. And you know, when you're six eight, six nine, with that kind of build, you know, physique wise, and you can play bully ball, you control all aspects of the game, and you have a three pointer. I mean, there's just nothing that, that, that Luka can't do. And, you know, you're right. If, if, if he's at the top of your MVP list, you certainly won't get an argument from me. Um, but there's one guy that I look at, you know, on, in the East and, and, and playing for the Milwaukee Bucks, man, who's already won a championship, Giannis Antetokounmpo, to be able to just put up the numbers that he puts up night in and night out without Chris Middleton and they're still not completely whole yet. Um, that, that, that's, I, I would say, you know, Luka is definitely one. Um, and if Giannis is not 1A, then he, he's, he's, he's one and, and Lucas two. But you can flip a coin between those two and whatever it comes up with, uh, I'll take either one of them at the top of the MVP discussion. Mike Wallace is the senior editor of Grind City Media. He joins us here on the program as we talk some NBA. The Lakers, I mean, they're, they're just going to be what they're going to be, right? Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, and I thought, I, well, I said this last year, I thought, okay, the, the deal with Westbrook could work. It's just not happening, but it's not it's not Westbrook, man. Like, I look at Anthony Davis, and, you know, I think a lot of times we're prisoners of the moment. I just don't understand, you know, how, how – and, and, again, he's not playing well now. Maybe the last couple of years he's been injured. But you're, you're telling me this guy's a top 75 player? No way. But the, what's up with the Lakers? I mean, are they are, – do, do you think they eventually can come out of this – where they are and sort of make a surge as maybe we get to the in, the all-star uh, point in the season? I mean, you keep hoping because you see the name LeBron James in, in the middle of the roster. You see Anthony Davis, who once upon a time was a top five talent in, in the NBA. We're a long way removed from that. Those guys just are who they are. I think they're a punch-drunk team right now. Nobody fears them anymore. And when you – I mean, look at the other night, man. They had a 19-point lead against Indiana and got walked down by the Indiana Pacers. Now, Indiana's one of those surprise teams in the league this year. You know, Tyrese Halliburton is, is an all-star when you look at the way he's leading the league in assists and just a fundamentally great point guard that plays with a whole lot of energy. Um, but 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 the Lakers are supposed to be a lot better than this, man. And you're right. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook gets scapegoated a lot for everything that goes on there. But it's really Anthony Davis who who's underachieved and who hasn't lived up physically uh, uh, to, to what he was supposed to be. Um, and, and this was supposed to be his team. LeBron was supposed to be transitioning to sort of the Robin, and, 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 and Anthony Davis was supposed to be the Batman. I mean, at, by this point, when you look at where LeBron is in his, in his age, 
But Anthony Davis just isn't, you know, he's he's. I don't want to say he's damaged goods, but this is a guy, man, that you just can't rely on night in and night out, despite what his talent was supposed to be. And and that's the upsetting, disappointing thing because I think if you could, if you would have told LeBron that he was getting this Anthony Davis, um, he might have still gone to L.A. But I don't think he would have given up everything or, or pushed the Lakers to give up everything they gave up to get Anthony Davis out of New Orleans. It's been an abject failure uh, for the Lakers, and a lot of people are responsible for that, including LeBron. Um, but but you know that this is a guy that, you know, he's never going to shoulder a lot of that responsibility when it comes to uh, where they are. But that, that team, they just are what they are, and I don't think – I'd be surprised if they make any kind of noise in the league this year, and that's surprising. You know, as well as you mentioned, you talked about Milwaukee, and as well as Milwaukee is playing – um, the Celtics, and, and particularly Tatum. Like, you look at Tatum, mm-hmm. disappointing um, in the um, in, in the finals, no doubt about that. But I think he, he carried that chip on his shoulder. He heard all the noise. Yeah, he can, he can play, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't rise to the occasion in the biggest moments. And he really has done that so far uh, this season. Your thoughts on the way he and the Celtics are playing with all of the turmoil that happened going back a couple of months ago? I mean, <clears throat> that team just weathered that storm. I mean, you know, the uh, Ime Udoka uh, coaching situation and then the comeback and, and, and just not miss a beat, man. I mean, these guys know who they are. You feel like right now this is the first time. I mean, the Celtics always had the talent. You know, Brown, Tatum, Marcus Smart, um, you know, uh, Horford being in there as, as, as a veteran leader. Um, and then, you, you, you know, you just keep, you know, it's just different guys that are coming up every single night. Uh, able to make plays, and they still haven't had Robert Williams back yet uh, to anchor that sort of defensive front line. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where that that team this year, I don't see I mean, Milwaukee maybe, but this is Boston's year, and and you know, I, I think even if they if they get back to the finals, I don't think there's a way that they lose, no matter who comes out of the West. I think that they're just that determined and that destined to get it done especially if they can manage to stay healthy. But, yes, man, what Tatum is doing, I mean, he's – he's he's. All, I, mean, I look at him now and, and I'm seeing, you know, a little bit shorter version of, like, Kevin Kevin Durant in his prime. I mean, there's not a shot that he can't make. He can get, beat you off the dribble. He can post you up. You know, he can face you up. You know, he, can, he scores at all three levels, and, and he has the athleticism to go with all of those things and the IQ to be able to make plays. You're not just going to bully him and, and – and, uh, and, and and he's not mentally fragile at all. And he had to grow up. These guys are still like, what, 24, 25, 26 years old. They're in their mid-20s, him and Brown. And and this is when, you know, a lot of guys start to figure out who they are. And the Celtics are doing that with the, with, you know, with the, uh, with the experience level of already gone to the finals and deep into the playoffs a couple times over. So I think this is their year. If you ask me to pick a team that I, I would say right now who's going to win an NBA championship this year, it would be the Boston Celtics. And, I, you know, I couldn't even imagine anybody else uh, taking it from him right now. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us here on the program. Follow him on Twitter at my Mike Check as we talk some NBA. You know, I, I mean, a couple of teams I really like the way that they're playing. I like the way the Kings are playing. I like the way the Trailblazers are playing. If I look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, if you look at like, you know, the, I mean, it's the Celtics and the Bucks, and everybody else is sort of log jammed in there a little mm-hmm. bit. The 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 Nets. Do you do you think that Ben Simmons is finally sort of starting to kind of come out of that funk? 
Nah, because, I mean, this is a guy that's, you know, a, a, an injury away from or a tweak away from missing two weeks again. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, Ben Simmons is never – he's. I don't think he's ever going to get back to being the number one, what he was expected to be as the number one overall pick. I don't think we're going to see peak Ben Simmons um, at, at this stage. I think he's going to be a glorified role player. Um, and, you know, he's going to be – you know, he's going to give you some Lamar Odom type you know, with that body size and with that that length, that length, he's going to be sort of like that. What Lamar was for the Lakers, I mean, and 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 that's the best that I think that 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 Ben Simmons can get to at this point. But if you ask me, another team that you know doesn't get enough respect and 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 they kind of hit a little bit of a slide, but they were hot early. Watch out for Cleveland in the East too, man, because Cleveland yeah. is that team that no one really talks about, but they have probably the most complete starting five. In the NBA, outside of Boston, when you talk one through five, what you're getting from these guys, and the only thing that they lack is experience right now. But when Garland is right, you know you got you got Garland in that backcourt, you know playing you know, some of the best basketball that you're going to see. He already had a 50 point game this year. Um, Donovan Mitchell is right there beside him, and then you know you just it, it's 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 uh, Karis Levert is on that team too, and I mean you just have so many different you know Mobley and, and Jared Allen. I mean they just Kevin Love, they just play the right way. And I'm an absolute fan of J.B. Bickerstaff, man. I mean, this is a guy who was with the Grizzlies a few years ago in the interim role. Uh, they let him get away. Taylor Jenkins has certainly come in and done a job, a remarkable job with his staff. But those are my two favorite coaches in the league right now. And I, I expect big things to keep happening uh, for Cleveland as well. Follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. And, of course, he's the senior editor of Grind City Media. You can check him out online at grindcitymedia.com. Mike Wallace joins us here on the program. Mike, we appreciate the time. Look forward to talking some NBA with you throughout the course of the season. Hey, no question about it, man. Looking forward to it anytime. As always, good insight on the NBA from our guy, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. My grades for the teams from the SIAC – up next. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Amari Hardware, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is the perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. 
You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need $25,000, $50,000, or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-931-3413. 800-931-3413. That's 800-931-3413. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row. It's report card day here on Box to Row. And I'm going to give my grades to the teams from the SIAC. So as we always do, we're going to do this in alphabetical order. And we're going to start with Albany State, who was 7-3 on the season. Gabe Gardinia completed the season. He's now the head football coach at Charleston Southern where he was once he was an assistant coach and I believe he was the offensive coordinator. But Albany State had a had a pretty a pretty good season. Quarterback Deontay Bano, I think Banu, I should say. I mean, I think I I think maybe a little bit more was expected from him and he did some good things. I mean, he completed about 50% of his passes, you know, close to 1230 yards, eight touchdowns, four interceptions on the season. But the offense wasn't great. And see, the difference last year, when you look at the Albany State team last year, it was an Albany State team that had six shutouts on the season. So the, de- the, the offense, I think, was decent, and the defense was good, but not dominant. It wasn't a dominant defense like we saw the year before, so where the offense could have been maybe a little bit, it could have been okay, and the defense was dominant, it would have been a, went a little bit further. But you look at key losses on the season to Benedict, um, also to Fort Valley State and uh, Albany State out of postseason this year, out of the SIAC championship, didn't get to defend their championship. Uh, Overall, I thought a a good season. I gave Albany State a B minus. Allen was one and eight on the season. You know, got some pretty good quarterback play, 11 touchdowns to three interceptions on the season using a couple of quarterbacks, primarily two quarterbacks. The defense, however, gave up 381 yards uh, per game. I think one of the bright spots was running back Bo Harrington, 734 yards rushing. He had four touchdowns uh, on the season, but Allen only won one football game. It was a struggle, but I'm going to tell you, man, I think this is maybe an Allen football team that, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Uh, But, you know, one and eight on the season, I gave Allen an F. Benedict on the season, 11 and one. So you're talking about a Benedict team that ran the table during the regular season, won the SIAC championship game. And remember, this is Chenis Berry's third season as the head coach, second on the field. Last year, Benedict went five and five after the 2019 season. I don't think Benedict even won a football game if it won one football game, maybe. The quarterback, the primary quarterback was Eric Phoenix, completed 64% of his passes, 2,025 yards, 15 touchdowns, 
to six interceptions. He was solid, but that defense was really, really good. And the defensive player of the year, defensive lineman, Lubert Dentalis. And check this out. 14 sacks on the season, 21 tackles for loss, four fumble recoveries, three forced fumbles, had 51 tackles, 38 of those solo to lead a dominating defense. Yeah, Benedict couldn't get it done in the playoffs, which I think, I, mean, I don't want to use the word disappointing. I mean, it was a bit of a surprise, but I think Chenisberry knows what it takes in the playoffs, and he's going to be right back there next year. I gave Benedict an A. Central State, 3-7 and seven on the season. No running game to speak of for the Marauders. Uh, the quarterback, Brandon Kyles, completed 59% of his passes. He had 15 touchdowns to eight interceptions. And the, the Central State, you know, started the season out decent. Remember that win in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game against Winston-Salem State. But it just didn't go as well as Central State would have liked. Now, a couple of decent wins, three wins on the season. I gave the Marauders a D minus. Clark Atlanta on the season, three and seven. You look at running back Daquan Kinsey, 824 yards rushing, 5.2 yards per carry. Quarterback play was average and the defense wasn't good at all this year. I mean, you're giving up 400 yards of, uh, of offense per game. You're just not going to be able to get it done uh, in that manner, giving up 33.8 uh, points per game um, as well. Just not a good season for Clark Atlanta. I gave the Panthers also a D minus. Edward Waters was five and six on the season. So the Tigers lost six of their first seven games, had a chance to see them play against uh, A&T, which was an uphill battle for them, losing 45 to seven, but they showed me some grit in that game. And then ultimately, the Tigers went on to win their last four ball games. So on a four-game winning streak to close out the season going into 2023. Solid running game, a decent passing game for Edward Waters. And I like where Edward Waters is right now moving into full-time in the SIAC on ne next year. I gave the Tigers a C-. minus. Fort Valley State on the season was 8-2. and two. Uh so you look at Fort Valley State, losses to Benedict and Savannah State, a big win in that Fountain City Classic over Albany State was a was an opportunity maybe for Fort Valley State to um, see some postseason play, but ultimately did not happen for the Wildcats. Solid against the run. You know, the offense was 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 good because of running back Emmanuel Wilson. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I think he's one of the top five running backs in all of HBCU football. Um, you look at his numbers, 1,371 yards rushing, 6.6 .6 yards per carry. He had 17 rushing touchdowns. He also had three receiving touchdowns on the season. Then you look at the quarterback, Kelvin Durham, completed 61% of his passes, 16 touchdowns to four interceptions, almost 2,000 yards passing. Then he had 258 yards rushing with three touchdowns. He was first team all SIAC. That was a good Fort Valley State team, as good as you can get without winning a championship and with two losses. I gave Fort Valley State a B. Kentucky State, four and six on the season. Had some decent wins. 
and the thing about Kentucky State with about three or four games remaining still was in the hunt for the Eastern Division crown. But I mean, you you know, I mean, I'm sorry, the West, the Western Division crown. But it was just going to be an uphill battle. Tuskegee was playing so well. Um, you know, but I give Kentucky State a little bit of credit. Now, I wrote a grade down, but I didn't really give one because it was a D or C minus for Kentucky State. I probably would give the Thoroughbreds probably a D. You know, they had some decent wins, but uh, not enough. So I gave the Thoroughbreds, I'm going to go with the D grade, but you could have easily gone with a C minus. Lane was 5-5 five and five on the season. Uh, good mix in terms of the offense, of, in terms of running uh, and uh, passing the football. Quarterback Michael Huntley completed 62% of his passes, 16 touchdowns to seven interceptions, threw for close to 1,700 yards. Um, you know, Lane dropped some games that Lane was in the mix down the stretch too. Just couldn't pull it out. You know, a respectable, I think, five and five season, but probably should have been better, especially the way Lane started the season and the win against Tennessee State. Now, I realize Tennessee State wasn't great. Still, you know, I thought Lane could have probably done a little bit better. I gave Lane a C minus. And by the way, wide receiver Jaquez Jones, a beast. 50 receptions, 190, or um, excuse me, 917 yards, 11 touchdowns, averaged 8.3 yards per catch. And then defensive line, lineman Andrew Farmer, another first-team all-SIAC guy, 23 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, 58 tackles. So some good players, decent play. I gave Lane a C minus. Let's keep it moving. Miles, one and nine on the season. No offense, beat Central State, lost to Tuskegee, played a, the game of its season, but lost in overtime. Miles didn't have a good season. I gave Miles an F. Morehouse, one and nine. Coach Rich Freeman just didn't have a lot to work with. He and uh, Clark Atlanta parted ways. No offense, no defense. Morehouse gets an F on the season. Um, Savannah State was five and five. A little bit more expectations, I think, for the Tigers. Um, and and uh, didn't live quite up to the expectations, although had some decent wins, particularly down the stretch. I gave Savannah State a C-. And finally, Tuskegee was 8-3 and three on the season. Reginald Ruffin's first year. He's an excellent coach. Goes from Miles to Tuskegee. Tuskegee rises up. Miles falls back. Tuskegee was in that SIAC championship game. The defense was a bit of an issue this year. Um, but the running back, Torrin Taylor, first team all SIAC, 804 yards rushing, 6.4 yards per carry. He had eight touchdowns. Quarterback Bryson Williams, 58% of his passes completed for over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns to six interceptions. Solid quarterback, and then he had a really good wide receiver in Antonio Meeks. 31 receptions, 692 yards, six touchdowns, averaged 23.3 yards per uh, catch. Meeks is a freshman. Also, um, I thought Tuskegee had a really, really good season. Really, really good season, and I gave the Golden Tigers a B. Your thoughts hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R O. W, if you want my thoughts on the SWAC championship game between Southern and Jackson State, you can check out the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where I give my thoughts on the matchup. 
and my thoughts on who will win the game. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, for joining us today on Box to Row. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is produced by PW Communications. Trying, you know, I'll be lying, saying, You're the one that could finally fix me. Looking at my history. Oh.